What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the World Class Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Come to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. On today's show, we go over a fifth look at Bracketology and preview both the MAC and the Big Ten tournaments, which get underway this weekend with the quarterfinals. The semifinals will be next weekend when all the other conference tournaments go about. Before we get into things, do you want to remind you all, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast. You can also watch the show on YouTube as well. Do not forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you can on any platform that you listen to. All of those ways, or watch I guess as well, all of those ways help us grow the show. Now, we do want to start off today's show with a um, some non-college <clears throat> news. And um, it does pertain, we don't talk a ton of PLL on this show. I don't write a ton about PLL as I used to. Uh, but I do want to mention the Premier Lacrosse League All-Star Game here on today's show. Uh, the PLL has released their schedule uh, for this summer. Looks like a good schedule to me. Start in Albany, New York, which has been a big market for them, and I think is a, a great stadium to have lacrosse in there. Uh, Tom and Mary Casey Stadium in Albany is, is a fantastic venue, and Albany's got uh, th- that upstate New York area, obviously a, a lot of big lacrosse fans, a lot of great people up in that area that love the game of lacrosse. Um, Charlotte, North Carolina is week two. Columbus, Ohio is week three. They stay in the Midwest for Minneapolis. Uh, that next week, uh, week four, July 8th and 9th, I believe, is this the second year in a row they've gone to Minneapolis or to Minnesota? Uh, interesting. Interesting location. I know the game's going a lot in the upper Midwest, so good to see. It's good to see some of these non-traditional areas be continued. Uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, obviously not a, a, a non-traditional area. That's the uh, next week. Um, and then, you know, they come to come come to where I'm sitting right now, Louisville, Kentucky, on uh, July 22nd is, is the All-Star game. Uh, head back down south after after going to back the East Coast, and um, it's it's great. It's 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 fantastic. You know, talking to a lot of people um, the, the past couple of days since this was announced on Monday morning. Um, people are excited, man. People are excited, and um, everyone I've talked to is just super thrilled that the PLL is coming to Louisville. Uh, they're playing it at the U uh, of L Soccer Stadium, um, and it, it it's a great venue uh, that they have there. I think it's it's I don't know exactly how much it ho- it holds, uh, but <clears throat> does uh, I think it is a um, a uh, a good size venue. Uh, they kind of worked with uh, the University um, of Louisville, obviously on 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 being able to host this, and the uh, UVL's got a 
great athletics uh, campus there. Uh, you've got you know, Cardinal Stadium, the football stadium down the street. You've got uh, one of the best women's lacrosse facilities right across the street. Oh, is it across the street or down? Because uh, no, across the street and down. Because across the street from the soccer stadium, you've got the football practice facility, Howard Schnellberger Center, and then the stadium. And then it's down the street that you've got the Little Yum Center, and then that's the on the outside of that. That's right. Is the is the women's lacrosse facility, which, which is fantastic, and which would be very very nice for a men's team if they ever wanted to add that or were able to uh, do the Title Nine. Be very, very interesting. Uh, very good location. Very good facility. Would give the ACC the sixth team. I'm just going to add that, that in there. Um, but a, uh, a fantastic location, I think. Um, a fantastic city to, uh, to, to put in here. Um, obviously, people... Are excited across the landscape here, um, across community here in Louisville. And look, I've been, uh, I think the last time we talked about the PL on, PLL on this podcast, I was a little critical of the league um, and what they did with the, uh, the championship series. I was not particularly a fan of that. I thought it was kind of stupid, um, to be honest with you. But I, I understand it from a walking standpoint. It seems like they did have a successful event there. Um, I think the timing of doing it was kind of weird in February, but, you know, um, you know, would have been better in maybe November, but, hey, it is what it is, and they can do what they want. I'm not telling them what to do. Um, and they obviously have had a successful run so far. Um, I've also been, you know, and not necessarily said this on the podcast, but I've been kind of, not been a fan of the maybe city selections or locations they've had the past couple of years. Um, uh, I uh, I don't feel like they've you know, and uh, you only have so many weeks in a season, so it's very difficult to say like, we want to go here, 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 and here. Like you have to condense that down. I understand that, uh, but I feel like they haven't. Maybe I feel like they the couple times in Atlanta they kind of were like well. We're, we're done with the South, um, you know, minus if you include Texas in that. Um, and in Texas, I think they're going back to Texas for the – yeah, they're going back to Texas the second time. They're going from Kentucky to Texas uh, to, to the greatest states in the Union, back-to-back right there. Um, and so, I mean, this is – I think this is a great schedule. Um, I, 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 you know, they've got Baltimore. They've got Fairfield. They've got Albany. They've got three great – East Coast cities, you've you're coming, um, you know, North Carolina, you're coming to Kentucky, you're coming to Texas, Utah, Washington, all of these areas um, that are maybe that are non-traditional areas. Colorado is a big area, obviously, in the, the Denver area, in uh, out west, the, the western capital of Lacrosse, if you will, and, and that always makes sense to go there. A big uh, pro fan base in that area. <clears throat> um, so I think the the PLs hit it, hit, hit 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 the nail on the head with this one with with their scheduling uh, this season, um, and, and and obviously the highlight for me is obviously 
Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, I can drive 15 minutes down the road, uh, 15, 20 minutes, and 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 go to the All Star game this year. And um, <clears throat> I know the you know for me at least, my, my my kind of first reaction was so excited, but then secondly, and um, kind of talking to people about this, a lot of people were kind of um, surprised, like they would they would pick us. Um, and it, you know, and I've seen some people and I've had people tell me, um, who may or may not know that I live in Louisville, um, we'll just leave it at that, uh, say to me, you know, why would, why would they go to Kentucky, you know? Um, and I, you know, well, yeah, that's, that's where, that, that's exactly where players want to be for, you know, all-star weekend. They don't want to be in Florida or California. They want to be in Kentucky. Um, I even had someone tell me, you know, why are they going in the middle of nowhere? I can tell you this is not the middle of freaking nowhere. Um, you know, what I'll say to that, and I've had people ask me about, you know, the hate that we've seen, or the, I don't want to say hate, but kind of the questionability of the decision. And kind of what I've said is like, hey, we'll show them what, what, we'll show them. Um, look, this is Louisville, Kentucky. We are what? Three and a half hours, four hours from Nashville. Two some odd hours. Um, two and a half hours from Indianapolis. Um, you know, it's it's not too far from, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio is, um, what, an hour and a half up the road just on the other side of the river. Um, maybe two hours on the other side of the river. Um and so, I mean, this is a great location. Uh, you've accessible from many, many states. Um, accessible from, you know, the, the lower Midwest, the, you know, kind of beginnings of the Deep South. And, um, you know, we'll have people come here from all over. Um, so to see and to see that is, is going to be exciting and to see these players come here. And look, I, I said this on, on Twitter um, you know, the greatest players in the world in the field game are going to be playing in the greatest city and the greatest state in the world. Uh, that is true. That is a fact. It's not a, it's not a statement, not an opinion. That's a fact. And anyone who doesn't believe that, you will see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. And look, um, one of the greatest to ever do it came out of Louisville, Kentucky. Um... Muhammad Ali, and famously said, all my greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. So greatness is, is coming back to Louisville, Kentucky in the form of pro lacrosse, and uh, the greatest in the game are, are coming to Louisville, Kentucky. That, that's only fitting. Um, I'm excited. I know a lot of people around here are excited about that. Again, a very surprising decision. I, I, I said this to someone the other day. I, I uh, yesterday I never imagined that uh, Louisville would get a game, a PLL game before the state of Florida. I don't know what it is if they can't get scheduling, if they um, to work out or what. But why the PLL has not gone to Florida? I mean, you got Miami, Tampa, Jacksonville. You got a lot of areas that you could do down there. The 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 fact that they're coming to Kentucky before Florida is surprising to me nonetheless. Um, 
but it's super excited about the announcement that we got here on Monday after Monday, late Monday morning. Uh, Some of the best news that that we've gotten in the last world, I think, all season, uh, to to, to be honest with you. And obviously, I'm biased in that, but still a a fantastic, fantastic uh, piece of news there. So, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be great. It's 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 gonna be great. Um, and look for anyone who questions it. Wait and see. We'll we'll show you. We we will we will we'll show you. Um, moving on here to bracketology talk. Fifth look at bracketology. So I've done four already. This is my fifth one. Came out Monday afternoon. Um, again, a little rundown. There's 17 teams in the bracket this year. You've got nine automatic qualifiers. Those are the conference champions from the America East, the Ace on the Atlantic 10, the Big Ten, the Big East, the CAA, the MAC, the Patriot League, and the Ivy League. Remember, the ACC does not have an automatic qualifier. Also, this year's tournament has one play-in game with the NEC and SOCON going away and the Atlantic 10 coming in. So you've replaced one conference, uh, two conferences technically with one. So uh, one play-in game this year, and that play-in game will consist of the bottom two rated automatic qualifiers. And uh, when we're looking at things right now, that would be Manhattan and St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's uh, would get to host that play-in game against Manhattan if the season were done with and start and the tournament started right now. St. Joseph's looking to be, uh, at the moment, projected the AQ out of the Atlantic 10. Manhattan, the projected AQ out of the MAC, um, and, and the number one seed overall in the MAC tournament, which gets underway this weekend, as I mentioned in the opening. We'll talk a bit about that here later on in this show. Uh, out of the America East, we have Vermont coming out of there. They're undefeated in conference play, 8-4 and four on the season. Out of the A-Sun, we have Utah. They have captured the number one seed in the Atlantic Sun, or the, the A-Sun tournament, 9-4 overall on the season, 8-0 in conference play. We mentioned St. Joe's. Uh, Big East, we've got Georgetown coming out of there. They've been wrecking through the Big East just as usual. Well, I wouldn't say as usual. They've had, um, was it last weekend? They had to get a, some games have been closer than expected. Um, they've got Villanova this weekend, uh, which will be a big one in determining what the uh, Big East tournament looks like. Uh, but if Georgetown does win that game, which I would uh, I would pick them to do and I would expect them to do, they'll end the uh, regular season 5-0 in, in league play and get that number one seed once again, which again, they're projected to be the AQ right now as the top team in that league. In the Big Ten, uh, we have Johns Hopkins as the projected AQ. Now, Hopkins is not the number one seed in the uh, in the Big Ten tournament. That is uh, John. That is uh, Penn State. Because uh, remember, there was the uh, basically a, a tie at the top of four and one, four and one uh, between those two. Penn State beat uh, Hopkins. Uh, in that double overtime game, Maryland beat Penn State. So by nature of Hopkins beating Maryland, Penn State got the number one seed. They get to host uh, the semifinals in the title game of the Big Ten uh, next week. Hopkins still the higher RPI 
Um, so uh, we have them projected to be the BAQ out of the uh, out of the Big Ten. The CAA, we have Delaware. Uh, they are six and zero in league play right now, and uh, I believe was it ten and three on the year. I believe it is. Um, <clears throat> they look to be the top team once again here in the uh, CAA, and, and have continued to run through that league. Ivy League, we have Cornell. They're four and one. Cornell plays Princeton this week, and basically, what will be a um, a game that puts uh, a game for the number one seed. I uh, believe it will be there against Princeton. Uh, subsequently, Harvard Yale is uh, looking to be, I believe this is still the case, a game where the winner is in and the winner is out in terms of the Ivy League tournament. There may be some other things that have to happen there for either of those situations to fully um, come to fruition, but that's kind of what it looks like it'll be. Uh, the MAC obviously mentioned Manhattan earlier, and then out of the Patriot League, we have Army West Point, and uh, those seven and zero league play obviously coming off the big win against um, against um, Navy over the weekend, and Army plays Boston U this week. Um, that is a eight fifteen uh, p.m. game, which is very kind of an odd time. Usually you see eight eight thirty seven. 8.15, uh, odd time, but they will uh, play Boston U in that one for basically what's going to be the battle for the number one seed in the Patriot League to get that top seed, uh, just as it was uh, a, a year ago. So um, I hope we get a double dip of that uh, battle once more this season. It was fantastic last year. Moving into, so, so so those are all nine projected AQs at the moment, and I'll run through them real quick again. Vermont, America East, ASUN, Utah, A-10, St. Joseph's, Big East, Georgetown, Big Ten, Hopkins, CAA, Delaware, Ivy League, Cornell, MAC, Manhattan, Patriot League, Army, West Point. So those are all... Uh, Projected AQs at the moment. Now let's move to our uh, possible right now uh, at large selections. Take a drink real, real quick there. Wet the palate before we get into this. Um, I basically right now see um, certain teams that are locked in. Certain teams that are locked in to get a bid. Um, Duke, Notre Dame, Virginia, Penn State, Maryland. I think all your five that you can say are locked in, pretty much. I would also include, you know, and one of those uh, to Penn State, Maryland could be the AQ. If that happens, I put Hopkins in that category as well, because I also consider Hopkins a lock in this year's tournament at this point. Uh, Duke is the number one RPI right now. Notre Dame is the number two RPI. Virginia is number three. Penn State, five. Maryland, seven. Hopkins is that fourth RPI. Uh, the eighth RPI is Yale at the moment. Nine is Georgetown. And six is Cornell. Cornell would probably also get in if they didn't win the Ivy League as well. Um, so the 
that that group there, Duke, Notre Dame, Virginia, Penn State, are your first four in. Your last four in, theoretically right now, going off the, based on the RPI look, is Maryland, Yale, Penn, and Denver. Now, Villanova and Rutgers are on the outside of that right now, and so is North Carolina. I don't know, even if North Carolina beats Notre Dame uh, next week. Not they don't, They're on a bye week this week. North Carolina has Notre Dame next week. They lost to Notre Dame last week pretty bad. I don't know if North Carolina wins next week that they even get in. Honestly, like, it would help a lot. But I'm not sure that's the case because, and it certainly probably would not be the case if either one of these things happens. Villanova wins the Big East, or heck, maybe even makes it to the title game. Or if Rutgers wins the Big Ten, or heck, even makes it to, you know, um, you know maybe the semifinals or the title game. Both those things could happen. Never say never. But... I think Villanova would be the more likely scenario to happen. Just put that out there. But both those are scenarios that could happen. Um, and I, I think because of that, because of those opportunities, Villanova Rutgers and even Princeton have a better opportunity to get in and Penn than do North Carolina. North Carolina has one game left. It's going to be a tough one. They were slaughtered last week. Um, I think they are going to be the, uh, you know, again, North Carolina is going to come out at that game. They're going to want to win. So is Notre Dame. Um, I, I would expect it to be closer, um, possibly, because it's tough to be a team twice, um, and especially to do so back-to-back like that, um, and tough to lose to a team twice the same way, back-to-back. Um, but still, I, I, North Carolina is like the one team of that kind of bubble-out scenario right now that I look at and say I don't think there's necessarily a chance. Now, with regards to uh, Princeton, who's also one of the first four out at the moment, I don't think there's a chance unless they win the AQ. I think it's going to be tough. Now, they do have the benefit of playing Cornell this week and then the Ivy League tournament. Um, So we'll see how things go in that regard, and we'll see how everything else kind of shuffles around the country if they can position themselves in there. But I think uh, six and five right now, uh, if you have six losses, it's going to be tough to put you into the tournament. But I do feel like this year we have a lot more kind of good teams where as, you know, like after Duke, Notre Dame, Virginia, it's kind of a, a whole big swath of like pull, pulling names out of a hat who be two um, in many situations. Um, and it feels like we have a bigger pool of just good teams, if you want to put it that way. Um, I don't think there's any particularly teams in this list here, and I'll go down past Princeton. Bryant, Boston U, Michigan, Syracuse, they're all going to need AQs to get in. Obviously, as I mentioned, Princeton probably is in that camp as well. With all those teams, none of those teams are bad. They're not, like, horrific. I mean, 
They all have winning records, uh, minus Michigan, they're 6-6. Six and six. Um, and you do need a winning record, 500-plus, uh, to get into the as an at-large. Like, none of those teams are bad, uh, but they aren't, like, fantastic. You know, they're, they're, the, the average is a big, there's a lot, a lot of, you know, average this season. And even teams that aren't on this list of 16 that I have here on crossbucket.com on our Black Tology post, there's a lot of teams that are good that you could say, hey, if things if, if things did or if things do fold the right way, they can get in and they can they can give someone a challenge. Uh, bids by conference per uh, big per conference at the moment. I have the ACC with three, the Big Ten with three, the Big East with two or three. Now, I will say this. I don't think the Big East is going to get three in. I think two is the most. And I think you could even see a situation where it's maybe one. There is a situation of that. Um, same thing with the Ivy League. Two at most, possibly one, is, is what I'll say there in terms of the Big East and the Ivy League. Patriot, America East, A-Sun, A-10, CAA, MAC, they're all going to get one team and one team only in, and that is the automatic qualifier. Now, for those watching on the uh, on the YouTube, I do will put up a visual here for y'all. Uh, the uh, bracket that I've kind of come up with for this week's Blacktology, this fifth look at how things are going. So put that up there right now, and y'all can see it. So uh, not a ton of changes at the tippy top. We have uh, Notre Dame up here as the number one seed. St. Joseph's as the A-10, Manhattan as the MAC uh, in the play-in game. So the winner of that, if things were to start now, I have it as they would play Notre Dame. Georgetown is the number 8, going down here. We have Georgetown as the number 8 out of the Big East, playing Utah out of the A-Sun. We have then as the number 5, Penn State playing Villanova. We then have Johns Hopkins, number 4, out of the Big Ten, playing Army out of the Patriot League. We have, and, and that's the top half of the bracket right there. Moving to the bottom half of the bracket, we have number three, Virginia, playing Vermont out of the America East. And then we have number six, Cornell, playing Denver out of the Ivy League, playing Denver. And then we have number seven, Maryland, playing Yale. And then number two, Duke, playing Delaware out of the CAA. One thing I do want to mention in how these selections work, and it's in the article if you go up at the top and read it, uh, the committee at least says they take ge geography into account, and they at least say that they take, um, uh, you know, trying not to do, not to put uh, rematches together in the first round. So those are two things I always want to mention to kind of think about when you're looking at, like, where could teams be spotted and slotted. Um obviously, at, at, at this point in the season. Um, and, and look, with, with Utah and Denver both in it, I don't think either are going to get a seeded bid. Um, neither look to be, that doesn't look the case for either. But, like, let's say, like, Denver were to get the number, you know, six seed and get a home, uh, uh, and get that home field advantage for game one. Um, and Utah got the A-Sun. Well, we would likely expect Utah to be playing 
uh, Denver in the first round. We saw that with Air Force uh, a, a couple of years when they made the tournament where they have to play Denver, which obviously was a rematch, but travel-wise, a lot easier to do than, you know, Air Force going out to play, you know, Penn State or, you know, whomever it may have been. So that's also something to take into account when looking at these tournaments. Moving on here to the going to preview little conference tournaments, some conference tournaments here that are getting away over the weekend. Um, so we have the MAC tournament, which was released last week, this bracket, and I'll go over the bracket here real quick. Number one is Manhattan. They, get the, they, they are hosting the semis and the title game, Manhattan is. Uh, you get that beautiful, picturesque view with the the most, most Bronx thing ever, most New York thing ever. Got the subway coming right behind the stadium. Um, it's fantastic. Got Manhattan there as the number one seed. You've got, um, and they'll get the bye, obviously, to the semifinals. Um, you have Sacred Heart as the five seed. They will play Siena, the number four seed, in the quarterfinals this week. That'll be at Siena, obviously, being the higher seed. Um, and then uh, going to the bottom of the bracket, Mount St. Mary's got the number two seed. Um and Marist is the three seed. They host Quinnipiac this weekend in their semifinals. So I'm going to go over my picks real quick here for these games. Uh, Marist, Quinnipiac, I'm picking Marist. And then Siena, second hole, I'm picking Siena. I'm not sure if either of those are correct. I'm more confident about the Siena one than the Marist, Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac's had some good wins over the past weekends. Demetri George is a great face-off man. Can really flip a game um, on a dime. Lion Downing, a very fan, a very good freshman LSM for them. John DeLucia, a lot of these talented players offensively there for Quinnipiac. I think that's going to be a really tough one uh, there. And when you look at what they did earlier in the season with Porto's schedule here, what that regular season battle was like between these two teams. Um, if you remember Marist, they had a rough start to the season. They went 0-4 to open the year against Rutgers, Binghamton, Jacksonville, and Bellarmine. Uh, they beat Bucknell, and they beat Wagner in their first MAC game. But then they go, uh, drop two, they probably should have won. 18-16 uh, over Canisius uh, in what was one of Canisius's I think what Canisius won three or four games this year, and they were all in conference play. Um, maybe one out of conference play, if I remember correctly. Uh, they lost to Quinnipiac. Then second was their second conference loss uh, of the season. They would also lose to Mount St. Mary's in a tough battle there. And when you go back to that Quinnipiac game in the regular season, well, Dimitri George and... Um, they had Matt Fomo uh, playing uh, primarily at the dot. And this one uh, for Marist, it was a good battle. And so I'm interested to see how that face-off, that face-off battle works out in this contest, given what happened in the, in the regular season, and also given how well Dimitri George has been uh, here this year for Quinnipiac, just continuing to do what he has always done there. Um, one of the more, I don't want to say questionable, but, but interesting uh, developments, I think, is 
Uh, Nick DiMuccio for Quinnipiac, he had a fantastic game against Brown early in the season, and he's been really good uh, throughout the, the past couple of years for Quinnipiac and Cage. He hasn't had the best season, though, uh, overall in Cage. I think it's like a 40-some percent save percentage. Be interested to see some of these guys who have maybe, uh, you don't want to say struggle, but maybe have been uh, kind of below their average this season, how they step up here in the postseason, and that can be said for uh, for, for, for really really anybody that you want to uh, across the lacrosse spectrum uh, this time of you. But I am picking Marist in that game. I, I think Marist is probably overall, like the quality between the top team and the bottom team, the MAC, is never that, that great. Um, and even with the expanded 10-team MAC, it's a very competitive league. The most parity in college cross is in the MAC every single year. So again, anybody can beat anybody on any given day, and that's especially true in the MAC. But I do think Marist probably has the better roster. I think the offense is more, um, I don't want to say nuanced, but I think they have more offensive, uh, more kind of developed offensive weapons and more experienced offensive weapons than Quinnipiac does. Uh, this is a rematch of that 2019 uh, uh, MAC title game, which was uh, pretty good nonetheless there. Uh, that one uh, was the last time Marist hosted the uh, tournament. So, uh, picking Marist in that one. Moving on to the uh, this other game here, the uh, Siena and Sacred Heart. So, uh, this was actually... Uh, these two teams played each other in the first MAC game of the season for both of them. Um, it was an 11 to 8 win for Siena. Um, I I think that so I think that Siena is going to win this one, as I noted earlier. Siena has gotten I think from what I've seen uh, better throughout the year. They've had kind of an up and down season. Uh, Dylan Pape went down um, earlier, uh, early on in uh, the, the season, missed a couple games there after the um, after the uh, Sacred Heart game. I believe he missed was it LIU, VMI, and maybe <clears throat> another one in there as well. Um, Canisius, that's what it was. VMI, LIU, and Canisius. He missed all three of those games. And uh, V and uh, Siena lost to VMI and LIU. They beat Canisius 9-10, 10-9 in overtime on that Wednesday uh, afternoon battle there where uh, Chris Yankowicz played uh, pretty, pretty insane in that game, 20 saves. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm picking Siena in this and and all the saves right now. I'm picking Siena to not only... Uh, I'm picking Siena to win the, the, the quarterfinal matchup and then... Um, I, you know, picking them to uh, win the semifinal matchup that they would have to play uh, there against Manhattan. Um, and that would be a fantastic goalie duel if we get that. Chris Yanko is one of the best goalies in the country uh, this season. Now, I will also say, uh, when you look at Sacred Heart, uh, this is a team, uh, 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 real quick, uh, another thing on Siena before you get to Sacred Heart. So, Siena, they have got, obviously, Chris uh, Yanchoris there in cage. If 
51% save percentage this season. He's had a lot of big games. He always does. Christian Watts, Zach Schutte, uh, Ryan McCarthy, a ton of talent offensively. And I think this is a team maybe more, maybe better than anyone else in this conference can get out and run in transition. We've seen it multiple times. Um, Marist can also do it. It's probably the second. You know, those two are probably the best two teams in terms of transition play, at least that I've seen from the games I've watched of the MAC this season, which I've watched at least all these teams at least twice this year. Um, and, and so just kind of what I've seen there um, from Siena and kind of why I would pick them to win that game and go to the the title game. Uh, with Sacred Heart, this is a team, they're, the first, they're, they're in the postseason for the first time since 2019. They uh, ha- had really a, a three-game winning streak, LIU, Wagner, Quinnipiac, that helped them push them over the edge and helped them get this number five seed in the MAC. Uh, Jake Ward is a name that you need to know. Uh, Jake Ward, 35 points, 28 goals, seven assists this season. He has been fantastic for Sacred Heart. And this is a Sacred Heart team that was a, had a lot of young pieces last year and has continued to just get better and better. They've got a, a, a quite a, a, a more experienced uh, defense than they do an offense. And uh, I think this is a, uh, a team that could be pretty good and, and, and it's going to be a tough battle in that semifinal game. Uh, Alex Pazina, I believe I pronounced that right, is the goalie this season. I've been very, very impressed with him. Uh, we saw Nicky LaBanca kind of step in uh, and, and be the guy last year. Pazina steps in this year, takes that starting spot, and he's been very consistent over uh, the over the year. He's 15th nationally in save percentage, 53% uh, in, in, in save percentage on the season, 183 saves. This is going to be a goalie battle here. Uh, typical MAC game, uh, if... if uh, you, you know the conference well. Uh, a lot of good goalies, a lot of good defenses each and every season. Um, and I think we're going to get kind of that, that um, that uh, you know, stereotypical MAC game and that uh, quarter, quarterfinal game, excuse me, there, um, Siena and Sacred Heart. Now, looking at the other two teams here uh, that we haven't talked about, Manhattan. Manhattan's the reigning champions. Uh, they obviously have a new head coach. Drew Kelleher went to UMass Lowell. John Odon uh, stepped in as the uh, head coach, elevated to the head coach there. And uh, Manhattan has, I questioned Manhattan being able to continue to uh, be a, a top dog in this conference. And uh, they have proved me, I think, wrong in that they're still the top team in this league, still the team to beat. Uh, Joseph Posesco has stepped in and been fantastic in cage for them. He had to replace Brendan Krebs last se- uh, Brendan Krebs, who graduated last season, a program great there. He's been uh, phenomenal. Uh, he ranks first in the league and fourth nationally in save percentage with 58.2%. This is a Manhattan defense that's average that's allowing 7.7 goals per game, 6.8 versus MAC competition. This is a very good team. This is a very good team. And then, like, you look offensively, I think they've gotten better. Uh, Kyle Gukla, Liam Walsh, obviously known commodities there. But you've got Kelly Dupree, who stepped in this year as well as a sophomore, has been very good for them. The player, I, I think, that you need to, to kind of look at. And Manhattan 
one of those struggles the past couple of seasons uh, has been at the faceoff dot. 32% in 2021, 30% in 2022. They got worse as a team at the dot. They get in Liam McDonough out of UMass Lowell as a transfer, and this team is going 48% at the dot. It's not 50% as a team, but Liam McDonough is going 54% overall as the primary option, 128 for 236. He has been a huge impact to you for this team. has helped them get possessions in more ways than just getting stops, which is how they would have to do it. stereotypically or typically the past couple of seasons with struggles at the faceoff dot. Another faceoff man to talk about here in the MAC is uh, Connor Beals, 63% on the season, one of the best uh, in, in, in the country right now there at Mount St. Mary's. He was 50% a year ago. He's taken a huge step forward um, this season. In 2023, as a senior, he also has three goals, 72 ground balls there. One of just many players to like there for the Mount. Again, the number two seed, they will play the winner of that Marist Quinnipiac game in the um, in the uh, the semifinals as they get that by to the semifinals, and uh, they beat. Uh, both Marist and Quinnipiac, 18-11 over Quinnipiac and 12-9 over Marist in the regular season. Again, what does that mean in the postseason? I don't think too much, but it is notable there. Um, and, and this is a team that I, I think has been very consistent, uh, more consistent than we've seen from them in, in a number of years. Um, and, and, and Mount St. Mary's has a lot going for it, and certainly Beals is one of them, Mitchell Dunham, uh, a really good defenseman that they've got there. Had a strong sophomore season, has continued to grow here. Jared McMahon uh, went in the transfer portal last year, uh, along with his brother, who's out Bryant, as a grad transfer twin brother. Try, uh, Jared decides to come back to Mount St. Mary's to do uh, a grad year there, and it's paid off for him. He's the leader of this offense once again, 46 points, 32 goals, 14 assists. And I think this offense is one that is deeper than we've seen it in the past. Jake Krieger, 33 points on the year, 15 goals, 18 assists. Uh, he's the primary you know, quarterback, uh, feeder, whatever you want to say there. Um, and then Kelly uh, Goyan, 20, 26 goals as one of the top shooters, five assists on the year as well. Cormac Giblin, Jeremy Wilson, TJ Gravante, um, just a, a, ton of, a ton of players that you could mention uh, that have been fantastic for Mount St. Mary's. Uh, throughout this season that have really made this a special year for them and and big part of why they are the number two seed in the MAC tournament in 2023. Looking now to the Big Ten tournament, and my preview on that uh, will be coming out uh, possibly by the time you are watching this, but most likely on um, on Wednesday. Uh, so when most of y'all watch this, it will likely have already been out um, with my Big Ten preview coming out on Wednesday on crossbucket.com. Um, what we have in the Big Ten is Penn State getting that number one seed, as we mentioned a bit earlier. Michigan and Ohio State are the number four and five seeds. They play to face that number one seed there 
in the um, in the Big Ten. We have Maryland and Rutgers uh, lining up to face number two seed Johns Hopkins in that semifinals. I'm I'm gonna you know we're running short on time here. I'm gonna kind of run through this real quick, and we're obviously gonna talk about the Big Ten a lot more here over the next couple of weeks. Um, and we've talked about these teams, all these teams at great, great lengths all season long. Michigan, I'm taking Michigan over Ohio State, and I'm taking Maryland over Rutgers. M- Michigan, this is a Michigan team that we've seen what, what this offense can do with Michael Bame, Joshua Water, Ryan Cohen, all these guys there, uh, you know, Peter Thompson, role players who've stepped up throughout the season. Great, a, 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 a more uh, consistent a uh, more high-flying offense than we've seen, I think, typically at Michigan. And a lot of these talented players who some people may have questioned, like, why are they not winning as much? Like, it's based on the recruiting rankings and and what you've seen from that regard. Michigan's putting it all together, and this is its best season in program history. I think they're going to make it to the Big Ten semifinals. Um, Ohio State, we've talked about their struggles this season, and I really can't put a finger on it. Like, yes, the face-off situation is bad with Drew Blanchard getting injured, and that's unfortunate, super unfortunate. But this is a team that had Maryland on the ropes, led them for the majority of that game, and this is a team that, coming in the season, you thought really had a shot. Um, I thought that I, I had them as a dark horse championship weekend pick uh, going into the um, – uh, not necessarily a pick, but, but, but a, a, a believer, that I was a believer that Ohio State was a dark horse team to make championship weekend heading into the heading into the season. And they've kind of fallen flat on their face in many regards. I mean, we've seen a lot of talented plays. We've seen a lot of flashes of greatness from this team. Um, and they certainly have a uh, diverse offense with Jack Myers, Ed Sheen, Kyle Border, And then we know what you have. You know, defensively with Hudgens, Snyder, Van Buren, um, and I just it, it it hasn't hasn't come together, and, and it hasn't been as consistent um, as we've seen in the past. And, and 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 I'll mention this with with Rutgers as well. It kind of feels like um, like typical for these programs. Rutgers has been very talented. Coming to the season, obviously, as well, with you know, Ross Scott, Shane Knobloch, uh, David Sprott coming back, all these talented players um, there. Obviously, Kyle Mullen taking over in Cage. Um, Duhenio has been improving over the years at the dot. Like, this is a team, and obviously, with you know, guys like Noah Daniels, LeJohn Jones, all these players who've been impactful, Ethan Rawl. Uh, who've either come in or, or have been there and developed there um, at, 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 on defense and, and being part of that you know NASCAR offense, if you will. This has been a, a program, much like Ohio State, that's been very good, and they've reached high highs. But those highs haven't been maintained. It hasn't been – they haven't reached highs. Like Ohio State goes to the title game. What have they done since then? They've made the tournament. But they haven't been like a, I would say, a serious, serious threat to win a title. Um, Rutgers, you know, they made championship weekend last year, um, which was fantastic for them. And they had a fantastic team. 
But this year, not to say they've dropped off because outside of Big Ten play, they've been fantastic. It's a it's a it's a different story than Ohio State. Ohio State wasn't particularly great in uh, non-conference play either. They struggled in a lot of those games, even those that looked a bit closer than they were. North Carolina game is probably the only game that I would say is a fantastic game from Ohio State all season. Um, Rutgers obviously played good non-conference. They got the win over Princeton, which is always on their bucket list you know, every season. Um, but in Big Ten play, they've struggled. They have struggled. Um, you know, the, the one win is an overtime win over Michigan. Um, and that's a, that's a game where Michigan had to, they let Michigan come back into that contest. And again, I think that that game, even though they lost, probably said a lot more about Michigan than it did Rutgers. Now, does Rutgers have the talent to beat Maryland? I think they do. I think they do. But it's Maryland. And this is Maryland coming off a loss. And again, I think... Maryland coming off a loss. You look at what they've done this year. Coming off the Michigan loss, they beat Ohio State. They beat Rutgers. Okay, coming off the Notre Dame loss, they beat Albany. Coming off the Loyola loss, they beat Syracuse. They have not lost two games in a row all season. I know it's the postseason. I know it's different. But I think Maryland wins this game. And look, even the Hopkins game last week, Maryland didn't necessarily play bad. It was a, and we talked about this, this was a game against two kind of equally great teams. And I'm excited if Maryland wins this game on Saturday to see that league match that would ensue if that happens. Brady Noska, Daniel Maltz, Daniel Kelly, all these guys have developed so much this season. I think Oska, probably more than, more than the rest, has really shined and really shown through here of late, uh, the, the, the freshman. Uh, Kyle Long, obviously, in there. Zapatello, Maycar. Like, these were known commodities, and we've just added to this throughout the season. We've seen guys develop and get better throughout the season. This is not last year's Maryland, where it was the team they were in February. Wasn't necessarily the team they were in May, but it was a situation where, like, hey, we're going to go full speed from February to May, and we're going to win a championship. And once they won that championship, they could breathe because they knew that they got done what they wanted to accomplish. They got done what they knew they could accomplish. This year's Maryland team is a lot different. We've talked about this. The offense doesn't really have a you know a, a, a guy, if you will, and I think this team isn't certainly is not as dominant as teams as we've seen in the past. Now, I think. Um, you know, had the injury to, uh, what's his name, um, Eric Marvel, had the Eric Marvel injury not happened, I think you could argue this game, this season would have been a bit different. If the injury to Logan McNaney hadn't have happened, you could also argue things might have been different this season. But those are two players. Two players don't make an entire team. Uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys make a team, right? Uh, it's not one guy. Um, but still, I, I think Maryland is the better team than Rutgers in this, and, and I'm picking Maryland to win this contest. Um, unfortunately, I, I think Rutgers uh, be, is out of the tournament right now. They're out of the NCAA tournament. I think if they lose on Saturday, they're certainly out. Um, and e even if they win on Saturday, Maryland's probably still in. Um, and even if, if Rutgers loses 
in the semifinals, there's no guarantee they're going to be in. There's not. Um, now, if Rutgers wins the Big Ten and they get the AQ, yeah, they're in. Um, and probably Maryland might be out, which is difficult to say. Um, it would be on the bubble, most certainly. Uh, but that also depends on some other factors as well. So, I mean, this is this is an odd Big Ten. It's, it's a competitive Big Ten, and I like it. I like this competitive Big Ten that we've seen from this season. Now, um, who am I picking in? Um, we mentioned Maryland and Michigan. I'm picking to win the quarterfinal games. Hopkins and Maryland, if that shall happen, I'm going to pick Maryland because they lost by one last time. I think they get the win this time around. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that game in the semifinals of the NCAAs as well, or the title game. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Maybe this is the best series of the season. Who knows? Uh, Penn State and Michigan, I would pick Penn State in that one. I think Penn State's the better team. Um you look at this offense and, and what they've done this season there uh, with T.J. Malone, with Kevin Winkoff, with um, what, what's his face? Um, names escape me right now as we're doing the podcast uh, here, getting deeper into it. Penn State, just, again, a, a ton of talent, and as I Try to think of the name. Jack Trainer. that's who it is. Jack Trainer. Jack Trainer, Matt Trainer, the Trainer Brothers. What they've done uh, this season here for Penn State offensively. You know, 54 for points for TJ Malone. 40 for Jack Trainer, 32 for Matt, Matt Trainer, 28 for Kevin Winkoff. These are guys who have led the way and been consistent, more consistent than any Penn State team since 2019. Um, a, a great season here for the Nittany Lions. Alex Ross, Jack Posey have been fantastic. Um, uh, on the defensive end, Grant Hawes has been... Um, I, I think like Grant Hawes has been better than maybe I expected him to be this season as a two-way uh, you know, defensive midfielder, uh, as a defensive midfielder mostly uh, for them this Season, been very impressed with what I've seen from him there. I think the only downside for Penn State is their face-off situation, which is not exactly consistent. Um, I think Mullins and Vaughn, and we've mentioned before, very good players, but they haven't been as consistent as maybe I expected them to be as we came into the season. And then obviously you've got Jack Tracy on there, one of my favorite uh, players in the country this season, and he's just been phenomenal, been on his on his toes, on his game all season long, and, and he's had a great season. Uh, so I'm picking a Penn State Maryland Big Ten title game, and I'm picking Penn State to win the Big Ten. I, I think Penn State has ha, has the quality that you need to win this kind of tournament that you need uh, to come out on top in, in this one. And again, um, you know, Coming into the season, I would not have picked Penn State to be the number one seed. I would not have picked John Johns Hopkins to be the number two seed. Probably would have been Maryland and you no know, Rutgers. Um, I believed certainly in Penn State, and I believed in Penn State a bit more than I did Hopkins. Um, but I believed both teams could bounce back this season, and they've done so, and it's fantastic to see. And 
They have earned those number one and number two seeds there in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, most definitely going to be exciting as the postseason starts to get underway this weekend. And uh, then fully get underway next weekend with all the other conference tournaments getting underway. On Thursday's show, we'll dive more into the games happening this weekend, not pertaining to conference tournaments. And obviously, uh, next week we'll get straight into the conference tournament scene as the postseason is upon us and fastly arriving in college lacrosse. As always, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe button, rate and review the podcast wherever you can. All of those ways help us to grow the show. You can connect with us on social media at uh, at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.